The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Do a speaking engagements and there are veterans there and in particular the handful of World War II veterans that are still around. I'm just moved because they were so different. The greatest generation was just so different from every other generation. And I just keep looking around, and, and, and I'm hopeful. I really am. I said this to some people I spoke in front of just the other night, that you know I, I'm hoping that uh, there's a generation coming up and that they are going to be, um, they're just going to be, more American than their parents. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but you guys get what I mean. You know, I'm just so tired of this anti-American attitude that my daughter's and son's generation had, although my son not so much, but his whole generation, you know, they just, they're never ever satisfied, no matter what the uh, country does we're always going to be told that we haven't done enough and we need to, you know, have reparations and all of this, you know, crazy nonsense. My friend Howard Galganov wrote a, a, an essay today or an editorial where he talked about, like, you know, where's where's everybody's reparations? I mean, if, if just uh, being aggrieved is grounds for reparations, well, then we're all, you know, should be eligible. We've all got uh, something to be aggrieved about, and, and most of our peoples, whatever that means, most of us came for, from places where, you know, we may or our ancestors may have been subjugated. And I, just, I, I looked at some article this morning, a uh, school board member somewhere, a city council member somewhere, I can't even, you know, I just, she just went on an anti-white tirade. And in front of all these parents, and I'm thinking to myself, like, on what planet did she think that was okay? Because I certainly do not excuse anyone who says racist things, and I don't care if they're saying it against black people, white people, Asian people, or any kind of people. You know, it's not, it's not the way free people behave. Although I guess it is. But I just get so tired. I was listening to this insanity of uh, what they now want to do in California. As if California wasn't messed up enough. And please forgive my voice. I promise that over the weekend I'm, I'm just going to gargle with salt and I'm going to rest tomorrow and Sunday with the exception of going to church and I am going to recover this voice one way or another. But uh, just forgive me for, you know, one more day for today. Um as I, as I attempt to, to, to do this program and not insult your ears with the sound. It's not as bad today. It's a little, um, a little I don't know, I, I, I sound a lot like uh, I have a friend who is a, a chronic smoker and has smoked for like, I don't know, 25 years, so her voice is very much affected. It's almost like that Phyllis Diller kind of voice or Joan Rivers kind of voice where you... You really do hear, um, well, you know that the person was, uh, 
a smoker. And, and I, f- I feel like I have that kind of voice today. And yes, I was a smoker, but I haven't smoked in you know over a decade. And I would think that I would no longer have any evidence, <laughs> but I would think wrong, huh? Anyway, I, I just, I, I get so frustrated when I listen to these. I don't even know if these mayors and governors really think that, that they're speaking to people who don't think they're insane. You know, there was some comment made on one of the nightly shows. I think it was Tucker Carlson's probably because I don't watch anything else. But they made this comment about how you have to be so careful about everything you say and who you say it in front of. And meanwhile, I got politicians that are not only not careful about what they say, they outright lie to us. And I'm not just talking about George Santos, I'm talking about President Biden. And we, we take it. We, we think it's okay, we're gonna, you know, we learn to live with it and um, they, you know, they're, they're doing their best. That's nonsense. They're doing their worst and we accept their worst from them. It's a lot of, uh, what do you call, uh, free-floating commentary today because I'm just, I'm tired and I'm frustrated and I'm sure many of you are as well. But this is okay, you know, we're supposed to be upset about these things, you know. I'm supposed to be upset that they lost 10.9 million mail-in ballots in the 2022 midterms in the state of California. Like 10.9 million, uh, almost 11 million out of a total of 22.1 million ballots that had been mailed out to registered voters during the midterm elections went unaccounted for? Wow. Does that not concern anyone except me? Mail voting practices have an insurmountable information gap. The public cannot know how many ballots were disregarded or delivered to the wrong mailboxes or even withheld from the proper recipient by someone at the same address. So they released this two-page report. It's a watchdog, Public Interest Legal Foundation. I love these guys, right? They released this two-page report uh, detailing what they call the failures of California's first mass mail balloting election, which followed the passage of a bill in their assembly, I think it was AB 37, which requires that ballots automatically be mailed to all active registered voters statewide. The bill was signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom back in September of 2021, and it makes vote-by-mail ballots a, you know, a practice that I thought we only did because of COVID pandemic requirements. Now it's permanent for all elections. California has more registered voters than any other state in the union, yet its vote-by-mail policies are like the biggest, and that's why you end up with Numbers, large numbers of ballots disappearing at poll closing time. So after accounting for all the polling place votes and the rejected ballots back in November, there were more than 10 million ballots left outstanding, meaning they didn't know what happened to them. So it's pretty fair to assume that the bulk of these were probably ignored or thrown out by the intended recipients, but we we don't know. We can only assume what happened. Besides, the almost half 
of total votes that were unaccounted for show that 9.8 million were accepted, over 120,000 were rejected, and 1.4 million were counted from in-person voting centers. No wonder it's a Democrat stronghold. You know, because they have no shame. And yet, a victory <clears throat> back in November, um, you know, uh, a GOP victory in California gave the party control of the U.S. House. So trust me, they'll never let that happen again. Mm -mm. Oh boy, they'll figure out something else. So, you know, y you have to wonder, if that happened in California, where else did it happen? You know, and hopefully the public uh, will know that, you know, that the uh, Public Interest Legal Foundation will look at some other states, including all those blue states. Because, you know, uh, it, it seems it didn't happen here in Florida, did it? Maybe we ought to, you know, adopt Florida's election protocols and, and forget about California. New Jersey and 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 Detroit, I, I mean, really. But that would make entirely too much sense. So, don't take me seriously, right? What do I know? Right? I'll tell you what I know. I know that uh, yesterday I got on the air after the announcement about Alec Baldwin, um, you know, having a uh, charge leveled against him as well as the young um, armor, and. I said, you know, I don't know about Hannah Gutierrez Reed and w what kind of uh, trouble she really is, but I can tell you, and I know this uh, to be true, that Alec Baldwin is a, you know, is being manhandled, a and I can't stand the guy. You know, nothing would make me happier for them than to have a real case against this guy. And yes, he was negligent. And yes, there better be better training. And yes. Uh, you know, he's a, a moron for behaving the way he did right after and, and professing that he didn't pull the trigger and all this nonsense. You know, maybe they can get him on lying charges. It was enough to scare Michael Flynn into retirement. But he did not murder anybody, and I don't believe that they can uh, even perfect this manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter charge against him. I just don't think it's going to work. And I know no one's above the law. We all know that except for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, right? Well, but other than them, nobody's above the law. Look at them going after Donald Trump. So you don't have to prove to me by prosecuting Alec Baldwin that nobody's above the law. But it only works if you're able to affect a prosecution that results in a, an actual guilty verdict. Otherwise, he becomes a martyr. And otherwise, we're going to hear every gun nut in the world weighing in on this, right? I don't believe anybody else would have been charged with the crime. Let me just say that. But I think because of the way he's a, you know, a big celebrity, or not so big anymore, but has been such a big celebrity, that you know, they're going to they're gonna play this out in a criminal courtroom, and it's going to become the kind of battle that forces Hollywood to update all of their standards. This is a message to the film industry, and they should hear it. This is a message that you need to tighten your gun safety protocols, and if they're not being followed in the future, 
we're going to prosecute people. But that does not mean that Alec Baldwin is personally responsible, criminally, for the death of Helena Hutchins. Sorry. And I saw, you know, Candace Owens and a bunch of people, hey, yay, you know, he's going down. He's not going down. And I hate that. I hate that there'll be this big show trial, and in the end, he'll be exonerated, and people will think, uh, oh, poor Alec, let's give him a starring role, let's give him a, a television series. He can go back on Saturday Night Live, and we can just welcome him back into the fold. And to be honest, I don't think that uh, Hannah Gutierrez Reed committed involuntary manslaughter either. I just don't. Um, although I did have a couple of armors, one military and one uh, film, uh, email me yesterday and say like, you know, there was a lot of missing pieces and they didn't do everything they should have done. And, and, uh, and, and I'm meticulous about such things and the actors and actresses I work with know to be meticulous about such things or the military uh, that I work with know to be meticulous, but guess what? They didn't know on the set of Rust. But in the future, mm, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a whole different that's a whole different animal. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app, and don't forget to visit our website. It's uh, where you get all the information, and you can listen to all the podcasts, and it's just a great uh, ass. What is it? A great it's just great to have it. So please download it, all right? I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. Hmm. So uh, apparently anti-Semitism is alive and well all over South Florida, which is really disturbing to me. I mean, it's disturbing when it happens anywhere, but now you've got, uh, you know, some dummies... Yeah, I'm trying not to say anything that would get me thrown off the air, but you have some, uh, whoops, let me turn this up. <coughs> you have some people who apparently thought it would be a great idea to use like uh, some sort of laser lighting and put up Nazi swastikas and anti, uh, I hate the word anti-Semitic really, uh, anti-Jewish statements and, and, and phrases on the wall of the uh, AT&T building in downtown West Palm Beach. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, like, why do we not hear that a as a big news story? Because trust me, you I'm still arguing with people over, you know, individual events that happened that made us all aware of the fact that there are still people who are racist against black people, and there are still, uh, you know, people who are racist against against Asian people. But if it's racism against, you know, Jews, it's not a headline news story. As a matter of fact, it doesn't get any coverage at all. And that's really telling because it always begins with the Jews. I try to tell people that all the time. You know, first they come for the Jews. And if nobody stops them, it doesn't get better and it doesn't go away and you're not safe. Nobody's safe. So I was really distressed to see this uh, happening in West Palm. Uh, in Boca, there have been flyers left on people's lawns in neighborhoods where there you know, are some Jewish people living all over 
Broward County out in Weston. We've had these incidents of flyers being put on people's homes and in mailboxes that are anti-Jewish. And, you know, the, the rest of the the rest of the world just goes merrily along. I don't see any, uh, you know, um, uh, Jewish defense leagues springing up again. You know, you have these, you know, these make-believe Jewish organizations. I think with the exception of the Zionist Organization of America, there's nobody who speaks out about this. Some conservative rabbis will bring it up. But for the most part, you know, it's like uh, business as usual. You walk into any temple in Dade, Broward, or Palm Beach County, and it's like, eh, you know, don't make too much fuss. Don't make any noise. Everything's going to be okay. They don't really hate us, you know. This is what the German Jews said. Oh, we're members of this community. You know, I've just been rereading Corey Ten, book, Ten Boom's book, uh, The Hidden Room, and... You know, every now and again, I have to remind myself that there are lots of good people who will stand with the Jews. And, and you know, whether it's most people are familiar with the Schindler from the movie Schindler's List. And, but there were lots of people, Corey Ten Boom's uh, father and her sisters and aunt, they were hiding Jews in Holland. And... You know, people in Holland really didn't know what was happening until it was too late. And they didn't believe for a second, the Jews living in Holland didn't believe for a second that the, you know, that the Nazis were going to occupy the, you know, the, the Dutch people and that they were going to be rounded up. And certainly, you know, that's a pretty common refrain, whether it's Poland or whether it was uh, Holland or whether it was uh, Hungary, where my family had come from, or Austria, where the other half of my family came from. You know, they all believed that they were very much a part of the country that they had been born and raised in. But there is something that happens when any people are targeted, but in particular, when Jews are targeted, that's almost inexplicable. Good people will become wicked. And, and it's, it's easy to do. You just cast a lot of aspersions against them and you make people think that they're the reason that they're not doing very well. You know, that's what they did in Germany. And that's what they're doing here. The things that were being... Uh, placed, uh, I don't know how to describe it, you know, they, they uh, sent images out from across the street so that it was like a light lit up thing on the side of the AT&T building. And, you know, it was talking about how the Jews were responsible for 9-11 and, you know, the Jews are responsible for everything. When they start that, it's not very long before people hate the Jews enough to hurt the Jews and certainly will not defend the Jews. So, I, you know, I've had enough of, of uh, you know, discussions about reparations to people who never were enslaved by people who never were slave owners. And I want to start hearing more about the actual anti-Semitism on the anti-Jewish, stop saying anti-Semitic, you know, uh, Alan Bergstein taught me that the other night. It's not the right expression. Um, but the anti-Jewish sentiment that's growing 
all across this nation, all across the world, again, I mean, you, you can't find a whole lot of Jews left in England or in France. Why? Because they made it unbearable for them. You know, they had large immigrant populations coming in who were, you know, supporters of ISIS. And you're always looking for a group that you can target. And it's always the Jews. I mean, it's always the Jews, as uh, as Tom Lehrer was so famous for, for singing in, uh, you know, his song. He said, you know, this one hates that one and that one hates this one, but everybody hates the Jews. And I have found that over the years that that's really true. It is a very dangerous time when Jews are targeted in any country. And it generally signals a dramatic move away from civilized debate and from open-hearted embracing of one another. It's just true. And so we better be wary. I sent uh, some emails to a couple of friends of mine, and I said, you all, you know, you, you, this is serious. You ought to get serious about self-defense. I don't want to hear nothing about the Second Amendment being taken away or changed or anything else. Because first they came for the Jews, and then they came for everybody else. So you just be very mindful of that. Anyway, I'm trying to get a hold of Derek to see if he can come on either in the next segment or the following segment, but uh, so far, no response. You just stay right where you are, because whether he comes on or not, I have to talk about two stories that came up yesterday that really, uh, you know, I, I don't even, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I was weeping when I found out that David Crosby had died. And now, mind you, David Crosby's politics were the antithetical to mine. But uh, I, I'm, I'm growing ever more aware of how close to the front of the line I actually am and how the music of my generation not only uh, is, is disappearing, but the artists are disappearing as well. Meanwhile, I saw a Car Carpenter's tribute band last night that was superb. This young woman was Karen Carpenter. She was channeling Karen Carpenter, and I had a wonderful time. But uh, I think they're called Top of the Top of the World. I don't know. <laughs> I should probably know before I talk about it. But they were awesome. Anyway, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. <coughs> Boy, I'll tell you the the idea that you would um, really. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest these days to not just uh, get overly excited when I see some of these news stories, particularly when it comes to uh, the economy. Because what a load of garbage we get told all the time. And, and most people just believe it. They don't even really think about it. You know, I saw a headline this, this morning uh, I guess it might have been on Drudge or some other news aggregate site that said Russia readies nightmare attack. And then something about, you know, they're getting tanks from us or, or some such thing. And it said Ukraine is braced for a major new offensive that could begin within weeks. One of President Zelensky's key insiders told the Daily Beast. Now, let me ask you a question. You know, why is the Daily Beast 
have like an inside line with President Zelensky. That that should just trigger some, you know, red flags in everybody's mind. But anyway, they were told that to expect a looming Russian move to encircle the country with a simultaneous attack on three fronts. So now, let me just ask you a question, and I have never uh, been on the team that Tucker Carlson's on. I am not an isolationist, and you know, if he doesn't like to be called that, oh well, that's what he is. I'm not an isolationist, but I'm trying to figure out why we're getting such crazy information about what's happening in the Ukraine. I mean, from what I can gather from, you know, foreign press, in other words, if I read British papers or if I read French papers or if I read Middle Eastern papers or even Israeli newspapers, Russia's winning this war. And we're getting deeper and deeper into it. We, meaning the United States of America. They're getting victory after victory. They got all these mercenary fighters that are working for Putin's private army. And you don't hear about that very much, do you? I mean, once in a while there'll be a story on Yahoo News or something that nobody reads. I'm not putting down Yahoo News, but I, I don't think most people check the Yahoo News page. So... I watch this and I, 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 I see that they're reporting and now the Daily Beast is reporting it, which is really fascinating, that, um, that they're going to they're gonna kill a lot of people coming from all directions, three lines of fighting, criminals, private contractors, regular forces. Uh, you know, how, how's this going to work out? And w- what are we going to do now? Because you can send all the uh, uh, tanks over there and all the m- missiles over there that you want. Last week, the CIA director, our CIA director, made some s- secret visit to Kiev. Uh, William Burns is the guy's name. He went last last week to meet with the Ukrainian president. These are pretty high-level contacts, right? I mean, we can't send Biden because he's incompetent. But when you send your CIA director you must be having a rather important meeting. And there's only two things that can come out of that meeting. Either you're promising them more weaponry, which we now know is true, or you're promising them boots on the ground. We're sending $2.5 billion in aid for the first time we're sending striker armored vehicles. And they're losing. So why? Why? Somebody explain to me. Yeah, and then all I hear from these guys, including this Burns guy, all I hear is, uh, you know, we Putin's war is a failure. Putin is suffering. Putin is losing ground. Is when you're winning the war, are you actually losing ground? No matter how you're winning it. And so now we are on the verge of getting ourselves involved in a war where the other side, not the side that we want to jump in on, but the other side has multiple nuclear weapons and have been threatening for, I don't know, the last uh, six months that if you if we don't win this war or if this continues in the manner in which it's going, we're going to use nuclear weapons. Then what? This secret attack plan uh, that's being released to the Daily Beast, pretty scary. So I, uh, you know, all I can tell you 
this is not something that um, that we or any of us ever thought was going to happen. I don't think any of us would support sending American troops to fight in Ukraine. I know I won't. You know, and it's not that I don't think Ukraine should be defended, but let Europe defend it. Okay, wh why would I send Americans over there? And don't tell me, and believe me, if we had in the beginning helped the Ukraine, it might have made a difference, but we waited so long that now it's nonsense. The other thing that was, uh, you know, a bizarre story yesterday, and, you know, it's on a, a number of different websites. I saw it on Real Clear Politics, I think, this morning. Uh, Nikki... Haley has now pretty much said that while I'm not announcing that I'm running for the presidency, I could just stay tuned. Because um, when you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things, right? You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? And the second question is, am I that person that could be the new leader? And then she said, I, I believe we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. That pretty much answers the question, doesn't it? That pretty much tells you that Nikki Haley is gearing up for a, uh, a, a, you know, a chance at the ring. Talking about how when she was governor, you know, double-digit unemployment, and, and then we turned it all around. And, and look, you know, that Ron DeSantis can, can make all kinds of claims as well. But here is the problem for all of them. They have to challenge Donald Trump because he has already declared that he's running. So you have to run against Donald Trump in the primary. And I look at these people, and you know, not for nothing. I've I've had dinner with Nikki Haley. I, I think I think highly of Nikki Haley. I think she was a good uh, UN ambassador. Probably should have stayed there the whole time, though, and not bailed so quickly. Um, you know, I need people to have fortitude and perseverance and stay with the job. She did not, and you don't get just to resign from the presidency. So she has got a bad track record in my book. But I look at this. You know, um, and I see all of these signs that she's getting smoke blown at her. I almost said the wrong thing again, but you probably figured out what I was thinking. I mean, she's being, you know, feeded by the uh, Kushner parents, meaning Jared's parents. Uh, everybody wants to know Nikki, and the president's son-in-law is a supporter of hers. That's what they're saying, but really... You know, just because you're friends with Jared and Ivanka, you don't really believe that they're going to take a position to support you instead of the father? That's pretty stupid. Um, Mike Pompeo doesn't like her. Mike Pence doesn't like her. And those are all people who are also considering running. And then the whole point, I think, is that um, get a woman to replace the woman that everyone assumes will have to get the nomination on the Democrat side. I mean, and, and which woman is that? Well, I don't think it's going to be Kamala Harris, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Oprah, which only leaves uh, Michelle. So, you know, 
would that be a, an interesting race, Nikki Haley against Michelle Obama? No. The only interesting race would be Michelle Obama against Donald Trump, where he actually gets to stand up in front of the American people, because they will cover it if Michelle's the uh, candidate, right? And he'll get to say, like, I'm just curious. How come when I went to the White House, I lost a fortune? And when you went to the White House with your husband, Barack, you guys got rich. Like, could you just lay that out for the American people? How did that happen? Which, of course, will leave her going like uh, Ralph Cramden. Ralph Cramden in The Honeymooners. Humana, 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 humana. No answer for that. Anyway, the friends and family of Lisa Marie Presley are gathering right now at Graceland for her memorial, and then there'll be a public service. Uh, she'll be buried there alongside of her son, opposite her father Elvis's grave. So oh, that's a pretty serious event, and I'm still trying to find out, you know, what, what is, uh, you know, what did she die from? I mean, why would a 54-year-old woman in what looked like good health why would she drop dead of a heart attack? I'm just asking. You know, I keep asking these questions and nobody has any answers for me. Anyway, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. And then we're in the weekend. Yeah. Um, it looks like Derek will not be coming on today. He's stuck in a recording at TMZ. But uh, I will rally on without him. Stay right where you are so I can finish this program. So Derek is busy doing his recording, but, uh, you know, there were a couple of things. I, I do have to share this with people because I know that um, I'm not the only one uh, in this listening audience. And now I, now I know how my dad felt when he used to report to me, like he'd call me up and he'd say, Sinatra is dead. And I'd go, well, he was old, Dad. And he'd go, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> and I didn't. And I didn't, uh, I didn't really feel it until the last couple of years. I mean, there were a lot of rock stars that died prematurely. You know, there was a year where everybody was uh, dying. You had uh, Jimi Hendrix died, and, and Janis Joplin died, and Jim Morrison died. So it's not like I uh, wasn't aware that even young artists could die, especially if they were taking a lot of drugs. But now it's like artists that um, that aren't dying are the are the actual interesting stories, right? Who's living longer? And and apparently uh, the last wooden ship came for David Crosby, and I literally sobbed when I heard that. Um, I go back to the days of the birds and, uh, you know, what a legacy of music. I mean, I, I think to myself, you know, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite all-time songs was um, the birds doing Mr. Tambourine Man. I can remember them doing it on the Ed Sullivan show. It had to be 1964, right, because they were all like a direct result of the Beatles. And then a couple of years later, uh, the birds were no more, but there was a group called Crosby, Stills, and Nash with Stephen Stills, one of the great guitarists, and Graham Nash, and they were amazing. You know, and I think to myself of, 
of songs that are the soundtrack of my life. You know, and then they added Neil Young. And and look, I don't think I have anything in common with any of these people. I didn't follow them around like a groupie. I really didn't. But the music is the music of my, the soundtrack of my life. Jeff Beck died last, what, two weeks ago? He was 78. David Crosby was 81. I suppose I should be expecting these things. Fred White, the drummer from Earth, Wind, and Fire. He was only 67. And so... Um, it's just hard to be what I now describe of uh, describe myself as. I'm at the front of the line now, you know, and I have to accept that. It's tragic when young people like Lisa Michelle, uh, Lisa Marie, rather, when when they die. And and you can have that moment. You know, there was a kid from the American Idol show, C.J. Harris. Another one died of a heart attack. He was only like 30-something years old. Those are very tragic things. But the the thing that's, um, that's so difficult for me right now is that these people are my contemporaries, whether, you know, whether I see it that way or not, they are. And I did. I, I, I weeped. I, I pulled out an old... Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and I think just a Crosby, Stills, Nash. I'm, I really, once Neil Young joined, it was like, okay, I had moved on. <laughs> I was doing something else. But um, but boy, I'll tell you, at Woodstock and all of those uh, music festivals, they were a very big part. You know, that I remember when David Crosby was, uh, he was dating Joni Mitchell, right? Another, you know, favorite. And then Graham Nash stole Joni Mitchell. It was about the same time that Eric Clapton stole Patty Harrison from George. I mean, you know, these were the stories that were my contemporaries, you know, and all these great songs that were literally the soundtrack. So it's, I gotta tell you, it's, it's, it's an interesting moment for me looking at these stories and realizing that, uh, these are my contemporaries now. This is no longer, you know, my father's, uh, you know, it's not uh, the same. I don't feel the same way about these passings as I did when my father said, hey, you know, Benny Goodman died. And I'm like, okay, Benny Goodman died. All right. You know, his music lives on, I would say to my father. But now it's like, I'm sure what my father was feeling at the time was like he was at the front of the line. And so now I get that. But there were so many stories that I wanted to talk about with Derek. I mean, you know, you, you now, it's funny to me how, well, take another one of the people who the music of the soundtrack of my life, Cher. Cher is getting married again. I mean, Cher is uh, older than me, okay? And she's marrying some young dude who basically looks like Dennis Rodman. I don't know who he is. Apparently, he's uh, sort of somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I never, I never heard of him, but uh, that doesn't mean anything. Alexander Edwards, um, and he does. He looks just like Dennis Rodman to me. But anyway, Cher is, um, she, the last time she was married was in the 70s to Greg Allman, and obviously to Sonny Bono before that. And then she's been with everybody, Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, Richie Sambora, Warren Beatty, Gene Simmons, you name them, she's dated them. But boy, oh boy, I can't even imagine going out on a date 
never mind taking my clothes off in front of some young guy. Just saying, you know, power to you, Cher. But it's, uh, it's bizarre to me. And what was the other story I wanted to ask him about? Oh, you know that, that, that uh, TMZ breaks news stories that are just, you wonder how they get the information. Now, Derek says that they just have sources everywhere. But they broke this story that this murderer from the, uh, the school, Idaho, uh, Moscow, Idaho, this Brian Koberger, used to go eat at a restaurant where two of these students worked. And he did it, you know, just before the murders were actually committed. And this according to, uh, you know, a former employee. The restaurant's called The Mad Greek. He visited the eatery at least twice. M Madison Mogan and Zana Kernoodle, two of the four victims, worked as servers there. But it's unclear if they ever had any dining interactions or direct interactions with Koberger. I mean, the more stories I hear about this Koberger character, the more bizarre he is. They, he asked for a vegan pizza, and he was real concerned that there'd be no animal products used in it. And uh, he also slid into one of the girl's DMs several times, according to a different source who told people, the magazine, the messages simply said, hey, how are you, over and over again. The person didn't say which one of the three female victims he was doing that to. Search warrant obtained by TMZ noted there was a significant amount of blood spilled in the murder house and police seized items with dark red and brown stains from his apartment. Police also say a possible animal hair strand was found at his home which could be huge if it matches hair from a dog that was in the student's home at the time of the murders. Man, I just, uh, I don't know how TMZ gets these stories, but they do. Anyway, that does it for me this week. I am going to rest this weekend so that I will not be uh, sniffling and coughing into your ears next week. That's my goal. Um, and my plan is to be back here on Monday. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what goes before us and what comes after us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And please, look at the picture of George Santos in drag as a drag queen. It's hilarious. See you all on Monday. God bless you and God bless the USA. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.